Hey yo, I'm Katie. And it's your co-host Corey, and this is the Press Next Podcast. Welcome back to another week of the Press Next Podcast. Yeah, a big week too, because we got to watch one of our favorite, favorite, favorite films. Yes. I'm so excited to be doing this one, Knives Out. Um, If you watched our promo, I did say that I believe it was one of the best movies of 2019. It's really good. I like it a lot. I I like it a lot. I would have to agree. Shout out to everybody who uh, paid attention to listen to our podcast last week. Mm -hmm. I feel like we got a lot of feedback from um, that episode just talking about freaking social media, dog. Yeah. And I feel like social media has still been going up. And inauguration is... We'll be on the day that this episode releases. That's true. Yeah, I this past week have been trying to be more mindful of my social media intake. And I just have been trying to stay off of it as much because I do notice the, I don't want to say it makes me think bad thoughts or negative thoughts, but it definitely encourages that kind of think. And I don't want that, you know? I feel you. And why should I let an app dictate that so it'd be running your mind i feel like i had a bunch of people call me or text me and they were like oh my screen time is this many hours i just got the phone my brother and he called me he was like yeah my screen time is like four and a half and so it feels good to be able to have content that is reaching the listeners so Mm -hmm. we appreciate y'all for listening and thank y'all for enjoying the content we put out because we love the feedback Yes. Every single day. So, and I could probably talk about social media for forever, but we didn't want to have a four hour long. We ain't Joe Rogan yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we make it to that level. We can have some uh, Spotify trying to pay that coin. We can have them long episodes. But for now, we doing everything in house. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to keep it to where we was at last time. Uh, But yeah, we appreciate that. Thank y'all for coming back. Uh, if you are brand new to the show, welcome to the show. Yes, we're so happy to have you. So very happy to have you from anywhere you are at. This is a show where we take movies, TV shows, documentaries, and we break them down into things that, you know, talk about our favorite scenes and stuff like that. But we also talk about the the motifs and the themes in the films, and we have discussions based around that. So that is our platform. We welcome you in. And the next time you listen... Bring a friend. Yes. That's, that should be like the new slogan. We welcome you in. Next time you listen, bring a friend. I'm a poet. <laughs> I like it. I know it. I like it. I like it. Call me Dr. Seuss. Somebody told me one time that's not how you say his name. What? Yeah. Like. <laughs> so how do you say it? <laughs> I have no idea. But I, he, the way he said it, I was like, there's no way. And then he showed me a YouTube video of like the pronunciation. And it was like a four minute long, you know, the like little whiteboard videos. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was like the origin of like why people call him Dr. Seuss, but that's not actually how you pronounce his name, but people still do it. But I guess it's like there's a hall here that's called Calm Hall. It's named after somebody's last name, which is Calm. People call it Cam. So <laughs> I guess it's the same. Yeah. But people are running off with Dr. Seuss. But hey, I also may be wrong. So I'll probably make fact some sort of him. yeah I'm a, fact check me and i'll make a retraction next episode okay if it is dr seuss it's dr seuss if it's not then this random guy told me about <laughs> it and i watched a video with him i think i was in a target i believe what 
yes, I was waiting in line at Target. I'm like, dead ass, this really happened. <laughs> okay. And he had had a Dr. Seuss book and I said something about it. And he was like, nah, you pronounce his name. I was like, are you serious? I was like, I've been lying to my whole life. And he oh pulled up goodness. this little YouTube video. So meeting strangers in Target and learning about Dr. Seuss, but maybe so I'm wrong. So you're telling me the line was way too long. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the checkout line was way too yes. long. Yes. And this was like... I wouldn't say before self-checkout, you know, mm -hmm. but self-checkout wasn't like a huge thing. Yeah. So you had to still go to, you know, actual humans yeah, to, to scan your products, to put in the bag. Dang. Well, I'll look it up after this. Yeah, we're going to look it up. But what's more interesting is that for the, what feels like umpteenth time, we watched Knives Out again today. Yes. And I want to watch it again. <laughs> okay. Literally, I love it. That's how much we love this this film. I agree with you. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. It was definitely the best I saw in 2019. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Chad. I did not see uh, Parasite. Everybody has told me I need to watch Parasite. Yes. It's been on my list. It has mine too. I think the reason I haven't watched it is because I haven't wanted to sit down and put all of my focus into it. Yes. Because, because subtitles. Right. <laughs> well, well, not even subtitles. I'm so used to subtitles because I watch everything closed caption. We do watch everything closed caption, but it's different when you have to read to understand versus right. you're just reading to make sure you heard what you heard. I, I have this weird thing with hype. That's that's what's taking me out. Yeah, you do. I like, for for those who don't know, anything that's like super duper hyped... I like it for it to like leave my mind so that when I watch it or listen to it or whatever it may be, I'm not, I'm trying not to include the bias, right? Yeah. So just like Moonlight, I still haven't seen Moonlight. The thing, the reason why I haven't is because the bias still hasn't left my mind as far as like how incredible of a film it is. Yeah. And then same for Parasite. Everybody told me how incredible Parasite is. So I kind of want that like bias to leave. Yeah. And then I'll watch the film and be like, I can't believe that I did not watch this when it came out. That's why I haven't watched Parasite. Yeah, I could. I understand that. But I feel like there's some things that you need to watch in the moment because then you, if it is worth the hype, then you have people to talk about it with. But then sometimes it is like, was that really that good? Right. Or is everybody talking about it? Exactly. And so I think it's good. And I guess it's, if, if it's hyped out, if it's hype that I've created for myself, for instance, I didn't see any um, like teasers or trailers for Parasite, right? Yeah. I saw a lot for Knives Out. So I was excited to go see Knives Out. So yeah. I want to go see Knives Out. True. Versus... I got the excitement on the back end for Parasite. Yeah. So I want that excitement to die because it's the same reason why I have not, to this day, I haven't seen freaking, uh, what is the Beyonce movie? Homecoming. I haven't seen Homecoming or uh, Black is King. Black is King, yeah. Because they, you know, Beyonce is the, is the queen of the secret drop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, she just dropped out of nowhere. So you really can't have the hype for it. And so I didn't watch it when it first came out and then everybody was just hyping it up. And I was like, is homecoming really that incredible i don't know <laughs> right so yeah. i was like let me just wait so i still haven't watched it i saw black is king on my i added it to my list on disney plus so mm -hmm. if you go on there right now it's on my list i will watch it soon because i think the hype is kind of died, died down for me but i'm also gonna watch parasite soon yeah well all that to we'll say knives out freaking incredible scale of one to ten this is a 10 movie for me what yes okay 
Okay. Yes, this is nice. A 10. You never give anything a ten. I well, I don't give a lot of stuff tens, but this is definitely a ten. This it's is a ten for me too. Cinema great. I'm glad it is. I'm glad we. Um, do you remember when, like when we first like saw it in the movies? Yeah, how like <laughs> back when we used to go to the movies all the time. Man, pre panty, mm. pre panty. It was such a. We had like a little nice seats too. Yes, we were in a Cinemark. Oh my gosh! Not AMC. Yeah, AMC. The seats are a little too thin for us. You know, I'm we wide body. So back when I lived in Fort Worth, there was a Cinemark right up the street from where I lived, and so we would always go to Cinemark almost every weekend that you came down, really. Yeah. And then me and Kev would go all the time. Beyond that, yeah. be, we, I was at Cinemark all the time. I would go by myself. I love Cinemark, um, but here in Stillwater, and really, I feel like all of Oklahoma. There's really just AMCs. There's not a lot of Cinemarks. Yeah, and another which is cool, theater, I guess. But Har- Harkins, Hankins, Harkins, Harkins. Yeah, but I only see that one in the city. Exactly. So we, I mean, AMC ain't bad. We still want to watch our films, but man, we had the good seats in the house mm-hmm. in Fort Worth. Heated seats. Yeah, they were great. They were like wide too, and they were oh, they were just perfect. And this movie theater was like everything you wanted. It had like everything at the front. It had a and bar. It had a bar, and it had it like had a bluebell ice cream. Yes, and it had like a candy. Had a pizza hut. <laughs> you remember it all because you went way more times than me. But like, you can get like an assortment of candy, and you get paid by the pound type thing. Yeah, yeah. A bulk candy. I forgot about that. Yeah, mm. so it was just Man, amazing. I miss movie theaters. Me too. I want like literally. I just want to go right now to get some popcorn and chill and just be in the environment. Man, uh, one day, and I know that the theaters are. I, I go back and forth saying theaters and theaters. Anyways, I know that theaters are open, but there's not really anything worth going to see right now. Yeah, yeah. Now, there is a movie coming out in February. I, I just saw the preview for I was like, this is... And it's coming out it. in theaters? It is. I think I saw that, and I was like, ooh, maybe we can actually go watch that. It's about... Um, it is about... I cannot believe I'm blanking on his brother's name. Anyway, he was a Black Panther. He's like the leader of the Black Panthers. Um, and it's going to be an, I, th- I believe it's going to be an incredible film. It's also coming out straight to HBO Max, too. Mm-hmm. So if I miss it in theaters for whatever reason, I'll still be able to watch it on HBO yeah, Max. True. So I'm excited about that. But anyway. Anyways, let's get into Knives Out. Yeah, spoiler alert. If you have not watched Knives Out, we are about to jump into details and everything else. So if you haven't watched it, you might want to just like pause it here and then watch the episode and then listen back or let us spoil it for you and then go watch it. And then go know? watch it. But it's so good. You need to watch it first. Yes. So Knives Out. And also, out, is it on? It's on Amazon Prime. Amazon so Prime. If you are on Prime, Prime you can get the the regular version. You can get the 4K UHD version. Uh, but it is. Um, you should have Prime. If you don't have Prime. You need to get on Prime, okay? Mm-hmm. Amazon's taking over all of the business, so just go ahead and get on Prime and get a part of their video as well. I hate their interface, but they do have good films on there. True. Anyway. All right, yeah. So I give it a 10 out of 10, just like you. I think it has the perfect amount of drama, twists, turns, um, unexpected surprises. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love I love it so much. It was a classic whodunit. Yeah. Right. And that's how it was like built. Right. Nice, good mystery. But star studded cast. It felt like if you were watching the game Clue. Yeah. Like if if you were like watching it, you know, perfect. um, What are they called? Like the the murder, the murder dinners. Murder mystery mystery dinners. dinners. Yes, exactly what it felt like. But listen to this cast. okay? Daniel Craig, 
uh, Chris Evans, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, uh, freaking Don Johnson, uh, Christopher Plummer, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, like literally a star-studded cast Mm -hmm. who all did a phenomenal job in every single one of their roles. Mm -hmm. They killed it. And it's about a guy who is um, very wealthy. He's wealthy off of his books because he writes mystery books. And um, he has a huge publishing company and he is dead. Yeah. And old Daniel Craig, who is Benoit Blanc in the film, suspects there is foul play. Something is afoot here. Something is afoot. (laughs) Uh, He says that a lot in the film, but he suspects there's foul play. And so he's interviewing everybody and trying to figure out who done it. Yes. Who done killed the grandpa Mm -hmm. or the daddy, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on the relationship to the characters. But um, yes. And then one of the key characters in there, her name is Marta and she is the, she's his nurse. Uh, And she plays a huge role in the film. So it's crazy. And his life. Yeah. And in his (laughs) life. So here's how the movie starts. The movie starts um, essentially with a, it, it opens with what I think is an incredible scene where it just shows the house and the two dogs running mm-hmm. out in slow mo, mm-hmm. like what is going on? So you already know that like some issues has happened. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it's like foggy. Yeah, it's like foggy. It's eerie, and you look at the house. The house looks like it belongs in Clue as well. Yeah, you know, it's like this old country home, big. Yeah, way out multi-story in a home, super duper multi-story with, with freaking hidden windows and everything yeah. else. Right? What a house! Beautiful yeah. house. Beautiful. Uh, it's got character. It got creaky steps, you know. Like so, you you can tell it's been lived in and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Marta is, um, she is. Uh, my assumption is that she's American, but her family uh, migrated to America, mm-hmm. and she's a nurse and she's helping him. But it starts out with, um, I'm gonna call her the help because that's what they call her in the film, not Marta, but the other character. Um, she goes yeah, upstairs. The housekeeper. the housekeeper goes upstairs to bring. Um, Thromby his stuff, his breakfast with his mm-hmm. little mug that says, what does his mug say? My house, my rule, my coffee or something like that? Don't know. Yeah. Didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> I, I pay way too much attention. Uh, but brings him upstairs, she finds him dead. Mm-hmm. So then that kicks off everything, but it jumps into about a week ahead. So that that's the opening scene. She finds him dead. Throat it, slit. Throat slit. Uh, and then it jumps a week ahead to Marta waking up from like a sleep Obviously, she's she's been through a traumatic event, so she's like, it's not good for her. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and then they all meet up at the house because this is after the funeral, but they're about to have the memorial or some sort of mm-hmm. some sort of event afterwards. So they all meet up at the house, and we get insight to who all of these characters are. Mm-hmm. Right, we get insight to who um, the daughter is, who who the daughter's name. She plays Jamie Lee Curtis is who uh, who plays her. I feel like she's old as cheese. Linda. Linda. Okay. I'm trying <laughs> Linda, who to me is like the, she's the go-getter of the family. Mm-hmm. She seems to be the glue, right? Yeah. Like she keeps everything in order. Everything in her life is in order. Uh, and she's probably the closest to her dad. Right. And then. And she has her own real estate firm, correct? Yes. Like she has her own business. Right. That she's created. Which she which- tells everybody. Yeah. She will let you know that she created this. This isn't her From husband's. From the ground up. Yeah. yeah. Isn't her husband's. This is mine. Okay. I did this. Um, her husband, who is Richard, 
Um, or I guess that'll be her. Yeah, it was Richard. Um, Richard is, I feel like, <laughs> the classic. He's an asshole, but like he's not really an asshole. Yeah. Like he's a prick. He's very straightforward. Very straightforward. No filter. Zero filter. He's cheating on Linda, but we'll get to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but he's a part of the family as well. Then you have Walt. Walt is an odd character, okay? He is. But let's just pair these together. Linda and Richard want the estate, mm-hmm. okay? They're part of the family. They want the estate. Right. Then you go to Walt and his uh, wife, okay? So Walt is weird, mm-hmm. and they have a weird son as well. <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, Nazi son. Yes, Uh Walt is weird. He has a limp and he's just super awkward, but he is running the publishing company right now. So he's over all of that. And him and his wife are into and their their motive or what they want is to take over the publishing company. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you have that's where all the money comes from. That's really where all the money is coming from. And then you have Lonnie um, and her daughter, or Joni, I said Lonnie. Joni and her daughter, her daughter was, you just said she played in 13 Reasons Why? Yes. She what was, was her name? Uh, her name in Knives Out is Meg. Right. But in 13 Reasons Why, she was Hannah. Yeah, maybe? she was the main character. Yeah. Uh, so it's Joni and Meg. So their grandfather is paying for Meg's school with his money. Joni also is the daughter-in-law. Yeah, so she is not. she was married to... Um, Harlan, who's a grandpa, yes, married to his son, and he passed away. So she's not really even in the family anymore. No, but she's kind of in it because she has a um, a business as well, and she's been skimming off the top. But uh, everybody's in it for something. That's what we're learning, except what seems to be Marta. And then Ransom is he's like he's the black sheep of the family. He's Chris Evans. He's Chris Evans. <laughs> I'm sure Katie said that because she loves Chris Evans. I do. But he's funny in the in the movie. Like he's hilarious. Uh, he has a classic scene where he comes for the will reading before the will reading. He's eating some biscoff and he's telling everybody to eat shit. Yeah. Yeah, that scene is like hilarious. Biscoff. Um, yeah. But anyway, they go there and they're at the house and they're really just trying to, you know, they're getting investigated by these two detectives and also by this super duper detective, Benoit Blanc. Okay, who has this really, really tough Southern drawl, mm-hmm. right? Which some people hate and are, are like offended by. Really? Yeah, there's a bunch of reviews that literally gave like on on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. They were like Rotten Tomatoes just because of his accent. I'm oh, like, gosh. you're being ridiculous. Okay? It was not a bad. Accent it wasn't either. that terrible. <laughs> I can make out everything he's trying to say, so it really wasn't that bad. And who cares? Okay, he's just a guy who had an accent from somewhere else, but he still did an incredible job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his the main. Literally, the, the entire movie is about trying to figure out who done it. Why is Harlan dead? Was he killed? Was there foul play? Was it who suicide? Did it? Was, or was it suicide? So, Lakeith Stanfield, he believes that it's suicide. But Benoit thinks that there's foul play because Benoit has been hired by somebody he doesn't even know he got hired for. And he's a super duper detective, so why would he get hired if it was just a suicide? Right. And the manner of death is kind of weird because... There's not a lot of people who are slitting their own throats. Right. So I get it. I understand why there's question into that and everything else. Now, you got to watch the movie to get all of the details because here's what I will say about the movie. Um, Should we go into the ending? Should we talk about the ending? I'll leave the ending open. Basically, those are the characters. 
Harlan is dead. Everybody has is going for a piece of his, a piece of his fortune. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of twists and turns in this film. A lot of them. And one thing that I love about this film is that every single scene, almost every line that is spoken, is done so for a reason. Right. It it is not like nothing in there is wasted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like every scene has something special about it that plays into something that might happen 45 minutes from now. Yeah, that's true. So it's crazy, like crazy, 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 crazy. So real quick, let's just break down. Um, I guess every character has an underlying story. Harlan, who is the grandfather who has all, or the father who has all of this money, is essentially cutting his family off. Yes. Right before he dies. Because he knows, I don't know if he knows he's about to die or what, but I think that he's just at his wit's end with his family. And he's like, okay, it's time for these people to start doing things themselves. So we have Walt, who wants the publishing company. He wants to sell the rights for these books to become movie adaptations and things like that. Harlan doesn't want that. He doesn't want his books to become movies. And so he demotes Walt. He fires him essentially. Right. No longer part of the publishing company. Um, Linda and Richard, we already talked about them. Linda wants the house that she has her own real estate firm. She's doing fine. Um, Which she's probably going to sell the house. Right. Richard is cheating on Linda and Harlan found out and wants Linda to know that she is being cheated on. Richard obviously doesn't want her to find out. Ransom is this spoiled kid who has never had to work a day in his life. Mm-mm. He's gotten everything he wants. Um, what's the line in the movie? He wouldn't even know a stage prop from a real from knife. From a real knife, yeah. He's yeah. the classic, like, Entitled. silver spoon. Yeah. 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 He drives a super-duper fancy car. Yeah. A Beamer, I think. But it's nice. But it's a nice, yeah, like, older. super-duper nice, vintage, yeah. like, amazing, amazing car. Yeah, never had to pay for anything, never worked a day in his life, got everything he wants. He's very smart. Um, he's he's just like Harlan, really. Yeah. Which is why Harlan's like, okay, now you have to, you're cut off. Right. You need to figure stuff out on your own. You've never had to do anything. And then Joni is Meg's mom. Um, Meg is in college. Harlan's paying for her college tuition. He's never missed a payment. Joni, who is her mom, um, has also been given an allowance. So Harlan is paying Meg's tuition and then giving Joni an allowance and she's stealing well, she's from stealing that. From so Meg she was double too. dipping. Yeah, she double dipping. So she ended up stealing like $400,000 or something like that. And so Harlan was like, everybody's cut off. I'm done with all of you. And this whole time, Harlan has been confiding in his nurse. Yes. Who he spends the most time with. Martha. Sweet old Martha. And she doesn't want anything from this family. She is just a friend to Harlan. Yeah, just a friend. Just his nurse. She's there for the most part, like on professional capacity. So mm-hmm. there's like a scene where she's at a party and they they offer her drinks. She's like, I can't drink. I'm technically on the clock. Yeah. Uh, but there are. So that's like the setup and breakdown of kind of their family. Yeah. Right. Interesting characters. Yeah. Kind of feels like an all-American family, if you ask me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like true. it feels like what at least what I know to have a family, especially with a big one. 
Um, and where it all takes a twist is that when that will is read, mm-hmm. it is not. It is literally, literally not what anybody thought was going to happen. Mm-hmm. What happened? He gave everything to Martin. <laughs> every single dime, every red dime. That's what they. Yeah, that's what Harlan be saying. Mm-hmm. Not a single red dime. Everything he owned, from the publishing to the house to his assets, everything went to Marta. And so now everybody in the family is like, "What the heck is going on?" Marta must have been a uh, you know a part of this. She's probably been planning this this whole time. So now they're turning on Marta. But here's the thing that's really underlying in this whole movie: this is a white family. And I think they do a really good job of showing how you ever like had people that are like, I have black friends or I'm not racist or prejudiced. I couldn't be because I do this or that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I think they do a really good job in this film of showing just how Easy ignorant. to switch. Right. Just how ignorant, how stupid, how nonchalant they are with their prejudice, their discrimination and their racism. Mm-hmm. For instance, nobody in a family knows where Martha is from. Right. They all say something different. They all say something different. Oh, you're from Uruguay? Oh, she's from Belize. Like, they just literally come up with something different. The first time that she pulls up to the house, the cops say, what? Are you the help? Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's just so wild. And then there was a scene in here what I will break down on on YouTube. So I'll do it over the week. I'll post it on YouTube. I'll post it on IG. There's a scene where they are having a politics talk. They are very clearly talking about Donald Trump, even though they don't say Donald Trump's name. Right. Uh, but they're very clearly talking about that. And they bring Martha in. Half the in. family's for him, half the family's against exactly. him. Exactly. Uh, and so they bring in Martha and they say, Martha, you, your family did it right. They did it legal. They came here and they worked hard and did it the legal way. Do you want to speak on it? <clears throat> and I don't know if you caught this. They actually, he gave her, mind you, Martha is a nurse. She don't, she's not mm-hmm. in a working capacity. I noticed it. Uh, he was eating cake. He finished the cake and handed the plate over to her. Like she was the maid of the house. Mm-hmm. Come on, bro. Like, it's just the little stuff like that. But if you were to ask them, I bet they're like, no, we're not racist. What, why would we ever be racist? We have, we took in Marta, right? right. Even the way they're like, oh, we want to take care of you. Well, I was going to, I was going to bring up that point how before the will was read, they were telling her, you know, we really wanted you to come to the funeral. Yeah. But I was outvoted or whatever. Um, we really want you to be in here with us talking because you're part of the family. And we'll, we, we want to take, take care, care of you because yeah. you're part of the family. Harlan loved you. But as soon as they read her name on the will, she was a bitch. You heard you're a bitch. You heard she is always here and she may seem like family, but she's not family. We're mm-hmm. his family. And you saw that how they switched up so quick, so quick, so quick. You're not even family. Yeah. You're you are screwing my granddad, you anchor baby. <laughs> that was what he that was what the the kid said. But so it's undertones of like that, that classism, mm-hmm. you know, definitely and, classism. Uh, yeah, classism, some racism, uh, some like whatever phobia it is for immigration is definitely like tones in there as well. Um, just really a phenomenal movie, really based on what happens. I don't want to spoil the ending on actually who did it. Um, so I'll probably just leave it there. Just know that she, that the will gets left up to Marta, which makes it very difficult to figure out who did what, because maybe Marta actually was a part of the scheme. Mm -hmm. Maybe she wasn't. You never know. 
the only way you're going to know is if you log into Amazon Prime (laughs) (laughs) or if you go to your nearest Walmart or DVD shop and you go buy this movie um, because this movie really is fantastic. You want to watch it more than once. Yeah, you're going to want to watch it more than once because there's going to be so much stuff that you actually miss. They do even a good job, and I'll talk about random facts as well on our IG this week, of just plugging in these really small things that you're probably going to miss. Like visually... Um, even down to like, there's one scene where Martha's mom is watching a TV show on TV and y'all don't know it, but it's a specific episode of murder. She wrote, which almost gives right into the plot of what the movie is. Yeah. Like it's so much little Ryan Johnson, who is the writer, producer, director of this did it like a fantastic job, like fantastic job really went over the edge. There's also, I don't know if you caught this, there's something up with the baseball. Yeah. And I think... I, I, the camera did draw in on the baseball. Plenty of times. There was a baseball on Harlan's desk, and you see it throughout the movie. Yes. And every time you see it, it kind of switches characters. It goes from like one character to the next. Yeah. So I don't know. That has to be something. So I have to watch it again mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to figure out where the baseball is at first, and where does it go after he throws it out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he picks it up. Daniel Craig picks it up, puts it in his pocket. But I think he says something about a game like right then. So maybe that's like the start of the game. And then the baseball continues to move throughout the the, the movie. And the last place we see it is in Linda's hand, hands, where she took out the dog's mouth mm-hmm. uh, right before they reveal who did it. Uh, I will give you a hint. This is an interesting fact. I will give you a hint. If you have not watched the show, there are Apple products in this movie. And Apple Apple agreed to let them use their products, but their only caveat was the killer, the actual killer, could not use an Apple product. So if you see somebody using the Apple product, they are not the killer. (laughs) I also, well, you told me that, and I looked it up, and I think that's a thing in any movie. The villain cannot have the Apple product. Interesting. Apple is slick with that. Yeah. Super slick with that. So any villain... I think I think that's what I read. I don't know. They tripping. They like Android. Y'all better get. Yeah, listen. Let let them have that Android. I want that. I want that green bubble to show up. (laughs) We we keep it nice and clean over here. They can't be the villain using Apple because we don't support that villain stuff. Um, Yeah. So if you see an Apple Watch or an iPhone or something like that, rest assured that your guess is wrong. (laughs) It is not that person who had uh, committed the murder and or you know orchestrated uh, anything that happened. So. Crazy, crazy, crazy. What was it? Did you have like a favorite scene? What was your favorite scene? Mm. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. My favorite scene. Hmm. I think honestly, my favorite. I mean, I don't know. I love everything, but I think my favorite scene is when all of the family is driving away and Marta is like up on the balcony with her cup of coffee. Yeah, that's in her house. It's the same. It's her house now. Yeah, I love that. The the best one. And I love then, that. Yeah, that so that mug that started the scene ended the movie. Yeah. Um, so wonder if that was like some sort of a foreshadow for us, you know? Yeah. Um, I love that scene. Um, I will let y'all know one of the funny parts about this movie is Martha has this thing where she can't lie. Cause if she lies, she throws up. Mm-hmm. So so that's that's used for and against her uh during this film. This is so true. 
But I love that scene. Such a good scene. I would probably say my favorite scene is... <laughs> Visually, the scene where Benoit finds it all out, right? And he's giving his donut spill. Mm -hmm. So he goes, he gives this monologue about this donut, right? And donut holes. You really have to watch it to understand what he's saying, but I get what he's saying. But if you look behind where they're sitting and where they do this interview, they have this really cool decoration that's like a circle of knives, mm -hmm. but the center is hollow. Like mm -hmm. there's a, uh, like a, you know, so to me, that's the donut. Mm -hmm. And when he sits down, his head is filling up that center. Mm -hmm. So he's like, feel, like he figured it out. Yeah. So visually, I'm like, okay, that's probably one of my favorite I scenes. I got that too. Because they blocked it in a way where as he's talking about figuring it out with the the, the hole in a donut, mm -hmm. they literally placed his head as if it was the hole in the donut. Uh, so that was pretty cool. But I would probably say my favorite scene for the movie would probably, it has to be the scene where um, Ransom comes in and it's like early for the real reading <laughs> and everybody's on his butt about it. And he's just eating Biscoff and clowning on everybody and tell everybody to eat shit. Uh -huh. And he calls uh, Benoit Blanc like KFC. He calls him uh, Colonel Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's, he's just funny in the whole movie. So that's probably one of my favorite scenes. Um, I feel like there's a lot of them. But that's definitely one of my favorites because it, it was like definitely. hilarious. And it just reminded me of like... That reminded me of family. family yeah. Clowning on mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Just Jones in and you got one person. You got one person that's like super duper serious. Mm -hmm. Another person that don't give a damn about what's going on. Right. Uh, so nobody's getting their message across or anything like that's that. True. So and then they tell him in there, like, oh, they figure out that ransom has cut has been cut out the wheel before anybody else knows. And so they tell Ransom, this might be the best thing that happens for you. It, this might help you grow up. And then at the end of that scene, they read the will and figure out they're all cut out. So Ransom's leaving. Like, this might be the best thing that happens yeah, to Yeah, then he's clowning on them. Yeah, yeah, so it's like one of my favorite. That scene is pretty long, but it's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, did you have one that was, like, bad? Least favorite scene? Yeah, least favorite. I won't say bad. Least favorite. Yeah, my least favorite scene was the scene where she goes to the laundromat and she finds... The, um, the, the housekeeper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a bad scene. I feel like it's needed, obviously, for the storyline. But I feel like sometimes in movies, right smack dab in the middle, I feel like I start losing interest. Right. Like, I start out super interested, and then in the middle, I'll start losing interest a little bit. And in the end, I'm, like, locked in again. And I feel like that's about the time I'm always like, eh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. It was, like, a slow pace. Like yeah. It, it slowed the pace down. Yeah. Because... I mean, this is right after like a car chase, yeah. right? So to have that pace switch up so suddenly, mm -hmm. I would probably agree with you as well. Like that was probably my least favorite, but it played such an important role to the ending it did. that it had to happen. Maybe they could have did it another way, but I feel like we're being really nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> like that's how great this film is. Yeah. It's really not even a bad scene and it's very vital to the life of what the movie is. Um, but that's probably my least favorite scene. Uh, who did you think the murderer was when you first, like, when we first saw the film and you're kind of going through the motions in your brain, something happens. Who did you think, like, this is who I think did it? Ransom. You thought Ransom did it? Mm -hmm. Off top? Mm-hmm. He just wasn't around and it made me suspicious. Everybody else was too loud. That made me feel like 
that made me sure that he wasn't the person who did it. That's true. Right? Like, I feel like I feel like I watch enough mystery stuff to know yeah. that if you were to commit a crime, you you kind of want to be around to see what's going on so you can control the environment. That's you know what true. I mean? So I felt, when I remember like first watching it, I felt so safe that it wasn't him. Like, it can't be him because he don't really give a crap about nothing. So he's always gone. Um, That's true, I guess. You know, it's been over a year. I don't remember. I do remember that. And I remember <laughs> literally, for some odd reason, I thought it was Meg. Ooh. Yeah, I thought it was Meg. You know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I thought, but I can see that. Yeah. I literally like thought it was Meg off the top, especially when she gets to the end and she's trying to coerce Marta into giving their, their inheritance, inheritance yeah. back. Because I felt like the entire movie, she was the one in the family who was like really actually nice and like genuine, right? Mm -hmm. But then in that moment, I, I found that she got swindled by her family because right. she was a part of it. So I'm like, all right. I don't know if I can trust you. Exactly. Yeah. And you were the only person who I did trust really besides Ransom because Ransom wasn't even there. Yeah. Maybe I did think her too. I don't know. Yeah. I thought Meg. I thought Meg for, like for real, for real. Like, mm, 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 mm. is there one thing that really like stuck out to you that made you love the movie so much? Um, I think, I don't think there was one specific thing. I think the twist at the end was really good, but I think just the fact that I wasn't able to guess what happened. It wasn't predictable. Right. That's okay. what I like most about it. I like that too. I like that too. I think if you dig deep enough, in any movie, there's like you can you can kind of figure it out, but right. this one's really tough but to do. I don't like so. to do that. Right. I like the element of surprise. I like to be, I like to be shocked by a movie or a book or a show. Like the season finale of Mandalorian. Yes. Oh my <laughs> god. Yes. <laughs> we won't even get into that, but um, now I feel you. I, I, for me, it felt like. And this sounds weird, but we'll we'll talk about it. The the dynamics of family in this like movie is what made me like it so much. Yeah. Because, like for instance, describe the perfect family. Hmm. Is there one? <laughs> well, what would you think? You know, like what is the the all American family? Right. You know what is what does the media tell us like what the perfect family is? Um, I think. Obviously, as I've gotten older, I don't think there is a perfect family. I think that a family that is healthy and together is the perfect family. What Whatever works for them. Right. Uh, because I think that everybody's version of family is different. And it's taken me I mean, 25 years <laughs> to figure that out. Um, but in my mind, when I picture a perfect family, I think of... Um, I guess just everybody thriving, happy, mm. healthy, right, doing well. They make it seem like um good relationships, yeah. strong bonds. Everybody's together. They're like nobody's going go. through anything. Yeah, everybody, nobody going through nothing. If they are, like, it's no them secrets. being together that makes them you know heal through the the, the right. process or whatever. I felt like. Especially them being older, because typically we see like the teenagers and everybody else, you know, mm -hmm. but them being, these are grown folk, seeing that they all still have beef and everything else in between, like the fact that they're trying to keep, keep up with the Joneses and save face. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the fact that like 
I believe that this is what family looks like. Yeah. You know, actually, when I think of a perfect family, I have a specific family that comes to mind. The Middletons? Face ass. No. I'm about to say thank you because that is not true. No. Who? But they are related to you. Who? Mark and Roz. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Shout out to Mark and Roz. They have a... Uh, a beautiful family. Yes. They really are. I feel that. They really yeah. are like picturesque like family, yes. you know? I love them all. Now, I'm sure if we had them on here, they'd probably talk about the stuff that they go through, right? Right, right. Uh, but from the outside looking in, I mean, from the inside looking their out bond. or whatever. I just love the bond. Right. Their bond is so great. And I feel like that's the thing, though, is that even with us, like even growing up, like people looked at our family and was like, oh, it's the Middletons, right? Yeah. There was so much pressure on just being a Middleton. Yeah. But if you looked inside, but we was just like any other messed up family, mm-hmm. right? And some people don't want to admit that or whatever. That's fine. But I'm not stupid. I'm old enough to recognize. We was just like, the more I talk to my friends or other people, I'm like, dang. Now they might be a little bit more messed up in my head, maybe, or maybe not. But the stuff we went through, especially having a huge family was like, I really connected with this film Mm -hmm. because it'd be like that. Like at family gatherings, it'd be, we are, we're so big. It's 13 of us plus all of our kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So we're so big. There's always sides and perspective or perceptions and perspectives. And so there's always discussion and there's always certain beefs and there's always something and each one of us have like that one thing that we're in it for, you know, if mm-hmm. there was in it, if there was a reason to be in it, you know. Right. Uh, so there's always some sort of split. There there are the black sheep of the family. They are the uh, the the highfalutin, too good, don't want to be around nobody, you know, think they better. And I might belong in that category, you know, but I don't know. It just felt real. Yeah. And I enjoyed that because... I'm tired of seeing stuff on the media and in our shows that don't actually rec like that it's not recognizable. This right. is not what families look like. Right. Like we used to go to a college, shout out to Charleston State. But their claim to fame was like we're a family. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Like at, anywhere you go, they're gonna talk about we're a family, just the Charleston family, yada yada yada. But the way they use the word family was that Every everything should be good, everybody should be happy, and we should all be connected. That's not what family is. Right. Okay. We have those moments, but there's also times where I want to punch you in the throat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So then we really get to the topic of, especially when we talk about family, the phrase, and I know you heard of this, blood is thicker than water. Now, what have I always told you? Um, that it's not what people think it is. It is not. Okay. So I don't know why this phrase got shortened to that, but the full phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. And what it's supposed to depict is the, the, the bond between you and your soldier slash your friend slash that was made through a covenant of blood mm-hmm. is thicker than just you being related because we have the same last name. Mm-hmm. And so I enjoy the fact that Martha is the person who got the entire will because it's so atypical of what you would see of a normal family. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I feel like for me, at least, um, my perfect family, for me, Mm -hmm. my perfect family involves 
my friends who I also consider my family. Yep. That's good. You feel me? That's good. That's good, man. That, that's good, man. That's how my dad talked right there. So I enjoyed that. I was like my favorite part of the movie. And and seeing the relationship between people and their parents and stuff like that. And it almost felt like they were all all the kids were being misunderstood. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. You ever felt misunderstood? Hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> do your parents understand you now? Or do you feel like your parents understand you now? Um, I feel like they understand me a little bit better because I'm an adult and I get to say my piece, I guess. Right. I get, I think I'm more respected now that I'm an adult. Um, and so even if they don't understand me, they respect me enough to respect my decisions. Mm. I think I'm very misunderstood. Um, not very misunderstood, but yeah, I'm just very different. I've, I've always considered myself the black sheep. Right. Just because I have always been different in the way that I think and the things that I do. And it's not a bad thing. I don't think that I'm better than. I don't think that I am holier than thou or anything like that. But I do think that I'm different. And I think that it takes respect to see the differences and acknowledge the differences and then let it be what it is. Right. You know, instead of trying to change someone. I feel you. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I just think that I'm different and from a lot of my family, but it's all love. It's all love. It's all love. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel like, there's points of parts of me that my parents like understand about me. Mm-hmm. But I think as I've grown and part of this is because, you know, as you grow, depending on who you are, you either grow closer or like further away from your parents. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of that's just because you're coming who you becoming who you're you're supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. Or who you want to be. And so there's parts that I think that my that my parents understand of me because that they're, they're never going to change. Like right. little Corey is always going to be big Corey. Yeah. But there's other parts that I don't think that they'll ever understand because it takes part of them to give up. Yeah. For them to understand. I I agree with that. I was just thinking that as well. You know what I'm saying about myself. And yeah. so and I, and it's not that like maybe they're unwilling maybe, but maybe we get to that point maybe when we have children we'll be the same way yeah um and i think it's hard obviously we're not parents but i think it's hard as a parent to raise someone how you think that they are right and then to give up your version of that person exactly and so i think that that when i say i'm very different i think that that's what it all boils down to is everybody has this image of what and who katie is but I'm different, you know? Yeah. You, and so... Y'all should see the pictures in our house. They're funny because, like, they're still, like, that that young, grew up on a farm Katie that's inside of you. You know what I'm saying? So we'll go home and, you know, she'll be messing with all her animals and goats and mules and everything. And, um, and I see all of her photos and cow print and everything else, you know? <laughs> yeah, you laugh because it's true. But... 
there's a lot of you now that is like stepped so far away from that and that's who you mm-hmm. are. And so I, I get it. And like, I'm still that to my core. Right. Just, you know, and that's that, that's that little change, you know, it's the same for me. Like that little core is still going to kind of be there. Like mm-hmm. I've always been goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I've always wanted attention, but like I'm the, the entertainment of the night kind of thing. But yeah. I think there's a lot of things that have changed about me specifically in the, in my thought process uh, my morals, some things that I think about, some things that I accept that I think my parents will not ever be able to accept mm-hmm. or, or really understand. Right. And that's fine as long as they're okay to respect me about it and I respect them about that stuff too because I, I don't think that like unpopular opinion, I don't think that everybody has to agree with who you are. Right. You know? And that's what that's what I was saying with respect. I don't think that you have to understand someone to be able to respect them. Right. I don't... and me and my dad have had conversations where I'm like, I get where you're coming from, but I don't think that way. Right. And we can both respect each other and just think differently. You know, I feel the same way. I've had plenty of those conversations and just got to leave it at, you know, where it's at. So Mm -hmm. I hope that like, I'm lucky enough to still have both my parents. So I hope that they are around even longer to, uh, God willing, see the birth of, of our children uh, and be in their lives as well. So um, I hope they continue to, we continue to grow towards each other. Yeah. Cause that's really what needs to happen. But I think it's a pretty good question. I just, you can, you can imagine how hard it was for Harlan in the movie to cut people out the will. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like his own kids, his own kids. Mm-hmm. He's cutting everybody. And to give it to somebody who, who the kids are going to, explain when it all happens is like a stranger you're not actually family right right you're just a friend but then it begs the question like are friends more important than family Mm. so i am not going to necessarily say more important Mm. because i feel like both play a special role and i do think that even and and here's my thing here's my distinction between friends and family and my closest friends, I do consider family. They're going to be there for the rest of my lives. Right. They're going to be in our children's lives. Like they are locked in whether they want to be or not. Ah, <laughs> y'all finna be uh, babysitting. And so um, I can call on them whenever I need, but I also feel that way with my family. And I think that my family dynamic is that we are... Like, just family to the core. Right. You know? And so even if I don't talk to my aunt in four months and I call her and I need help, I know she's going to drop everything to help me or she's going to find a way to help me. And I feel like majority of my family is that way. So I'm really lucky in that aspect. And so I wouldn't say friends are more important than family, but... I think that goes back to what do you consider family? Because I also consider my friends my family. Facts. Facts. Um, I, if we're just talking layman's terms, I think they can be more important if you get to the part of like your friends are your family. So you know this, like my relationship with my brothers and sisters is not, um, it's not as picturesque as most people would think. Um, so there are certain members of my family who I don't really, I'm always going to be cordial with because I grew up with them and they're my family members. But like in a pinch, I would never, I wouldn't trust them with anything. Right. And I think that that stemmed from a lot of moments in my life where 
I've seen how they treated my parents and or in my life when there were moments where I was expecting my family to be there, at least for me, and they weren't there. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. people who, when I graduated in Stephenville, when people who were living in Stephenville who didn't come to my graduation, who yeah. I got tickets for, who said they were going to come, didn't come. Yeah. But the people who showed up were my friends, right? I have friends who showed right. up who, who were there and who have always been with me during a bunch of my, uh, you know, a big achievements lowest. and stuff like that and, and my lowest moments. Yeah. So it's, for me, it's a match. And I think that at times, yes, my friends have became more important than my family, if that makes sense. I would be so much more inclined to reach out to help some of my closest friends than I would to be some, some of my own siblings. And I think that what comes with that is that friendships, you have to nurture those. Whereas family, we kind of see it as, oh, they're family. So right. they're here whether I nurture, nurture this relationship or not. Whereas friends, you have to put in that work and you have to constantly, not constantly, but you have to, you have to put in the work right. to keep your friendship alive. You have to check up on them or you should want to check up on them, right? right. If they're your closest friends. And so I, I think that that's where I see the difference. No, I feel that. Um, I shout out to all my friends who have been my closest friends And this is in no way, like, means to, like, bash some of my family members or nothing like that. I just think that we we don't talk about it often, about how, like, it's okay for our family to not be as connected as we we believe it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Because what the world has told us it's supposed to be, oh, it's your family. It's like, bro, sometimes your family is your biggest source of trauma. Right. You do not need to be connected to them. Right. You need to actually disconnect from them. It's going to be freeing for you. And that's going to be really tough because it's something that you've known for your entire life. Mm -hmm. But that's the same for me. The more trauma anybody introduces into my life, I'm a Scorpio. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You are getting disconnected. I'm putting you back. Okay. You literally, you're going to the back of the shelf and all I'm going to do is keep pushing you further and further away. The more trauma you introduce in my life. And that worked for me, no matter who you are. Right. This is the classic. There's my mom and dad are so different. My dad is a Scorpio as, as well. He's born. I was born his birthday. And my mom is very different when she comes to this. My mom is like, you should always have connections and stay connected. And boom, boom, boom. My dad's like, no, if you have trauma, if you if you do this, you gone. That's how we I literally am. had this conversation. On yes. Thanksgiving, the, yeah. Thanksgiving. When we were at home um, eating at the table. And I think there's a little bit of merit to both. But for me. What works best for me is that I'm not, because if I keep you around, I'm not going to be real to you. I'm yeah. not. And I'm really going to treat you rude. I'm going to be really mean. And I just, it's just not good. I'm going to yeah. be fake. It's not good. It's better for me to just disconnect from you because all you, every time I look at you, all I think about is the trauma that you caused me. And maybe that's because I haven't resolved that trauma, but I'll, I see patterns. Mm-hmm. That's really what I am. I'm a person that sees patterns. And if you have not broken that pattern, I don't want to be around you. Yeah. Because you're going to continue to do the same stuff that you've always done. Maybe just in different venues. So anyway, that's not to crap on anybody in my family. Just wanted to be a little bit vulnerable to our listeners so that I know that there's some of you out who probably don't have like the greatest relationship with your family, but you never really get to express it or talk about it. And so maybe you don't even know that there's other people out here. Because the thing is, I talk to a lot of people about their family. Mm-hmm. 
it'd be a lot of people who are like me and you. Mm-hmm. So this is probably the most typical version, what we see in this film and everything else. Yeah. And I just, yeah. And just piggybacking off of what you said. Ah, <laughs> we hate that term. Um, but yeah, going off of what you said, I do think that family is who you make it and what you make it. Amen. You, if your parents are bringing you problems or bringing you down every single time you talk to them or whatever the case may be, it's okay to make other people your family. Yes, indeed. I'm telling you. And it's not easy. It is very tough. And it's hard and it, sometimes it means getting out of their pocket and because they're them giving you money or doing something is really what's keeping you around and you feel guilt about it and everything else mm-hmm. or you feel comfort. But I'm telling you the feeling, even if it was like being financially free, it feels so much better to be financially free from that than still be tied to that and, and take all the trauma that comes with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Another question I have from the film was, Obviously, there's like this evil undertone of immigration, mm-hmm. right? Um, which is such a hot topic. And for the longest time, I really just could not understand why it was such a hot topic. But obviously, the more educated I got, I understand why people can be up in arms about it or whatever. But my question is, why are we like, why are we challenged by like immigration? I feel like. It's a huge issue in the United States. Yeah. Like, why are we so miffed about it? Well, I think the biggest issue with it is that, or what people will say the biggest issue with it is, if you challenge them on it, is they just want people to do it legally. But then they don't understand that it could take years. Right. To become, quote unquote, legal. I like, uh, <laughs> and that was the argument in the movie. Sorry, I growled on the mic, <laughs> but uh, that was a part of it in the movie. That was like an argument he was making was that you could do it legally. And the undertones of privilege in this film is yes, incredible. Yes. Okay. Everything except probably Marta, ironically, is like coming from a space of privilege. Mm-hmm. Like when he's like, oh, like, like Harlan did. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps like Harlan did. And then Benoit made a statement like, what, what are you talking about? Your dad got this from like an immigrant worker who bought this house and sold it to him. Mm-hmm. So, or who built this house and sold it to him. And I feel like it's such a disconnect from people who literally, and we grew up in Texas. So I knew a lot of people who are undocumented. Mm-hmm. And not one of them were what what I would consider as a bad human being. Right. I knew a lot of Americans who were born here who are bad human mm-hmm. beings. Right. And so it's hard for me to understand why people can't put themselves in somebody else's shoes where it's like, all right, I'm looking out for my family. Would you do anything for your family? If you say yes, that means you'd be probably be willing to break the law for your family. Right. So, how hard is it to understand that? Yeah. And the whole jobs thing. Stupid. Is really frustrating to me because a lot of the jobs that I feel like undocumented people have are jobs that no one else wants. Yeah, you're not going to take it. Yeah. And 
I, yeah, that's that's one I never understood either. I'm like, what job? I ain't never seen somebody take somebody else's job. Right. That's number one. That's all top. Yeah. Like, I, how does that even happen? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the logistics behind stealing a, a job? Um, if you want to use the verbiage uh, of that, but honestly, yes. Like, I've always thought about that. I'm like, bro, what do you? And this is not even to say that that's all undocumented immigrants do. Right. That's not even yeah. true. Hundred percent. But were you gonna do that job? Oh no, I wouldn't do that. And then what's the issue? They paying taxes. I guarantee you that too. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, and I know that for a fact. They paying taxes, literally. And don't get, even get to uh, exercise all the other things that they get for the system, like we do. Right. Right. And the the weird part about it is, and here's what what I always thought about it. So. You have to take a test to become a citizen, correct? Mm-hmm. Even if you were born here, well, not necessarily born here, but you were young and you crossed crossed the border when you were young, you got to take a test. You might have went to school, got the same education as everybody else, but you still have to take a test to be, become documented. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you there's probably more people who had to legally become citizens who know more about the United States than people who went through <laughs> grade school. And took U.S. history in college. That's true. Literally. That's true. And we like to think that like. <laughs> Where about? Right. Or we are just so like, oh, we're, we did it by our, we did it by ourselves. It's like, bro, I am a descendant of a slave. And I know that for a fact. Do you want me to trace my lineage? I will do it for you because it's already been done. So it's not going to be hard. I'm just going to ask my uh, librarian of a cousin who did it already. And so I come from Switzerland and Germany. (laughs) (laughs) My dad also traced that back. So, yes, I'm a descendant of a slave. So I was brought over here in the first place. And really, uh, they pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. But at the end of the day, the reason why I even hate that phrase is because nobody ever has made it on their own. Ever. There's never been an instance in life. and And if you can prove me wrong, please do. But I guarantee you won't be able to. There's never been an instance in life where somebody did it by themselves. One, because you were a baby. That's number one. Okay, you were a child. Somebody had to feed you, clothe you, and wipe your butt. True. And you were a child. You had to get vaccinated. Somebody probably vaccinated you. You probably put a Band-Aid on whenever you got hurt or somebody helped you out, kissed your boo-boos, tucked you in at night, gave you some tongues when your stomach was hurting. All of these things are aiding to you being the person who you are today. You had to apply for a job if you took the job route and somebody took an opportunity on you and selected you for the job, right? Right. If you didn't do that, let's say you didn't, oh, I didn't work. I just started my business. Okay, cool. Where did you get the money from? Who gave you the money? Because you didn't just make money out the air. Right. If you did, you committed fraud and you need to go to prison. Mm-hmm. But you didn't make money out the air. You did. So... This self-made thing, that's like one thing that I can't stand from anybody. I don't care if you are literally black, white, uh, Hispanic. I don't care. Do not tell me you're self-made because you're not. I get what you're trying to say. You did a lot of it on your own. You put in a lot of the work by yourself. But on every single road, there was a stop sign at. Somebody helped you out. Right. Somebody, somebody gave had to you, take a chance. Thank you. you. Somebody had to take a chance. Somebody gave you an opportunity. Somebody gave you a lift. Even if it was the bank giving you a loan. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave you an opportunity to be who you are. You are not self-made. Right. At all. Oh, yeah, I worked I worked three jobs. Well, somebody gave you the job, right? 
Right. So you're not self-made. Right. But I think just being devil's advocate. Come on. You can say that these people, even though somebody had to give them the job or hire them, they still put in the work. Right. I feel it, it wasn't handed to them. They weren't given $30 million to start their business that's now a multi-billion dollar company. But even my answer to that, though, think about this. Whether somebody gave you $15 an hour for a job mm-hmm. or somebody gave you $30 billion to start a company, both people are putting in work. I, there's no way you can tell me Jeff Bezos didn't put in work. Right. Or Bill Gates didn't put in work. Donald Trump didn't put in work. They all put in work. Mm-hmm. They lumped some of how they got there was much bigger. Right. But they all put in work. My point still is that somebody lifted them to the position to where they had the opportunity to do so. And so they took their opportunity just like anybody else to put in the work that they needed to put in to get to where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Their opportunity just was a little bit greater. But like there's not an avenue of life where you got to where you just did it by yourself. Yeah. Somebody took a shot on all right, even if it was, they wouldn't even believe in you. Even if it was just like, oh, we just needed a fry cook. You right. Know? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And, you, and you took the skills well, that hey, you learned. these people are hiring. Right. You took the skills that you learned, you flipped it to a business. Mm-hmm. Cool. Whatever. Somebody still gave you that opportunity. Right. So that's like one of my biggest things I hate. And for me, that self-made and that everything else still goes with uh, people who are migrating to the, comp- uh, to the country. Right. Mm-hmm. At some point, somebody's going to give them a chance and they make the best of their opportunities because that's what they came here for in the first place. Was seeking a better life. We claim to be the greatest country and that you can do anything you want here in America. Why are we hiding that? Yeah. Why are we trying to lock that down? Or we're letting in terrorists and thugs. They already here. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> All right. They already here. And the, the biggest part that like really like irks me about immigration is that What's the population of Native Americans? Hmm. First, the the idea. Li- listen to this real quick. The 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 unmitigated gall. The unmitigated gall. The unmitigated gall to say Christopher Columbus discovered America, but then call a group of people Native Americans. <laughs> okay, unmitigated gall. But anyway, we're looking up the Native American population in the United States. Okay, check this out. There's 300. Listen to this. There's over 300 million. 300. And, 28 million people in the United States. 300, yeah. Yep. 2.75 are Native Americans. 2.75 million are Native Americans. That is nothing. And you want to talk about immigration? And that's just Native American heritage. That's not even like, you know, fully Native American. Listen, you going to tell me, you going to talk to me about immigration and how you don't want immigrants to come here? Sir, <laughs> ma'am, where did you come from? Where did your lineage come from? Switzerland and Germany. I'm not talking about you, <laughs> face ass. But we I'm all got German here. I'm a German girl. Can't you tell? I'm six German. foot blonde hair, blue eyed woman. Wow. Um, but we all, that's the thing about America. And that's why it, we should be, now I get it. We need laws and everything else. I get why. Because we have to have some sort of control. Mm-hmm. But we are literally the country that was predicated at least by our laws and everything else in our constitution that was predicated on people who are not from here. Yeah. Stop being stupid. <laughs> Talking about go back to where you came from. Sir, you go back to where you came from. Okay. <laughs> lead the land up, uh, lead the land to the 2.75 million uh, native Americans. How about we do that? All right. Now this is the land of, of the, 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 
the home of the brave, right? Land of the free. Mm-hmm. And we should continue to work on immigration laws and reform, but we should also start to open our minds up to immigration in general. We, we should be welcoming people because that's who we are. And that's what we're, if you think about it, that's what we were built on. People who are not from this country who built this country. Specifically black and brown people. But come on now. In this movie, you just, I hate how they treated Martha. So I'm really happy that she got all the inheritance. And she just sat up there like on our favorite scene, mm-hmm. just sipping on her coffee. Sipping on her coffee, overlooking her kingdom. Mm-hmm. And her new mug that says, my house, my rules. Mm, 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 my coffee. She chilling like, goodbye, arrivederci. Bye-bye <laughs> uh, now. Bye-bye. Since y'all don't know our about, I'm just keep speaking different languages, uh, saying goodbyes because y'all don't be knowing. Um, anyway, listen, you have any more questions? I don't. Fresh out. Y'all need to, there's a bunch of discussion that can happen, especially around mm-hmm. family and friends. Just remember this. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. I fully believe that. Call your family your family. Meaning the people who you want to be your family, make them your family. I can name off people right now who I consider family, but once you are family in my head, that's never leaving. That bond is there forever. It's locked down. And I consider the Press Next uh, Club and the crew, y'all family does. Bam, bam. Y'all come through every Wednesday. Y'all tune in. Y'all give us feedback. We appreciate that. We do. Specifically, because where would we be without you? You feel me? Amen. And you know what family does? What does it do? Family supports each other. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and this is how family support it. Sometimes family be in a nice little pinch and they need help a little bit. And the way you can do that sometimes is you can lean on, lean on me. Come on. Uh, when you're not strong Alright, not too much We lean on each other In times of need When people are struggling Sometimes that means shooting a text Sometimes it means calling, showing up, hugging Taking somebody out to dinner Just being there for them And sometimes what it means is to financially bless them So, <laughs> so family members If you want to financially bless us You can find us <laughs> On Cash App and Venmo Okay, press next podcast on both and bless us in the ways that, that you want to bless us. A dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars. Hey, drop the whole Joe Biden stimmy if you want to. If you really just that family Stop. member, drop that Joe Biden stimmy for us. You know what I'm saying? Really help us out. Um, we are we have big things planned this year. Like we are self-funded. Um, we literally just want to give an experience to you. So the money that we get from you, we will use to do our best to give back to you all. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Support us, family members. If you have not already, join our Facebook group. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on IG and TikTok. Don't use those platforms too much per our last episode. You know, keep that screen time down. But be sure to follow us for all of the updates so you can figure out what you need to watch next um, and stuff like that. So we can give you stuff like, like new information. And then also click the link in our IG bio. Fill out the press next package. So that we can pick a new person to send yes. a package to. We got our first package out. Yes. Shout out to Juliet. Uh, she got it. She loved it. Uh, her and her son loved it. So we appreciate you for listening. Uh, we are glad that you liked it. Um, so we want to send out 
more packages we do one every single month but we can't do that without your information so go on instagram click the link in our bio select press next package plop in your information please do so because we really really want to send this out and continue just going for as long as we are running this podcast because we really do love you because you're our family member and that's how we support (laughs) y'all okay you see how it's just coming full circle Mm -hmm. back around to this this family and support and finances and uh you know cash app and Venmo. but anyway (laughs) please do that we love y'all and remember you know i'm saying our slogan remember what we always tell you to do katie lets you know every single episode if you're binge watching and it says are you still there always press next do it every single time we love y'all